So now I'm going to talk about Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, I guess the full title, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, this is a video game that came out on March 3rd for the Nintendo Switch and the Nintendo Wii U. I bought it on Wii U. The versions of the game are the same, except the Switch version plays at higher resolution and has uh, extra particle effects or something in the grass. Whatever, I don't care about that. Uh, I especially don't care about that because this game is, by by a country mile, the most gorgeous video game I've ever played. Um, it has in it sunset so beautiful that uh, they would make you cry like a real sunset. It has real rainstorms that feel like it's really raining. They start slow. It You can see storm clouds from afar, and that effect of when you see them from afar in real life, of it looks like hazy in that area because it's raining there but not where you are. That'll happen. Um, it's like all of the grass is really great, and the designers who decided when the music would start playing did such a good job. Because it's like, it's not like music all the time, like other Zelda games, where like, as soon as you get out onto the field, it's like, it's like, it's, you have to start going around. You, like, you have to get on your horse and start riding. And then you get like a little, like, just like a brief little piano tinkle. Almost like someone trying to play unobtrusive, chill out jazz on a piano in like a coffee shop. Just like chill, calm, pretty music. And it just enhances the beauty of the sun coming up, the dew glistening on the grass in the morning. It's just such a nice game to look at and to listen to, and it's an aesthetic experience that is pretty much unmatched. And there's so many Wii U games that are just so good-looking that just look amazing. And it's supposedly this underpowered system, but a game like Mario Kart 8 looks great and runs at 60 FPS. And you can't say that about most games on modern consoles. There's been a lot of flack thrown at uh, Microsoft and Sony because games on their consoles will be like, but it runs at 720p at 30 FPS. Like, what? I games on your last systems ran better than that. <laughs> games on the Wii U, which is supposedly weaker than your last systems, ran better than that. It's like you get stuff like Yoshi's Woolly World. That game's gorgeous. It looks like it's handcrafted, like it's knitted out of thread. And then you look at like Little Big Planet. Little Big Planet looks fine. 
I mean, it doesn't look like it's really made out of cloth and stuff. How does how does that happen? <laughs> anyway, back to Zelda. Uh, this game fixes so many problems of the Zelda franchise. Um, Zelda has had a problem since the 3D games of requiring a lot of patience of the players, a lot of tolerating sort of self-indulgent or more graciously player-unaware design choices where, like, oh, you open a chest and it takes a full like 30 seconds for the cutscene of Link opening the chest to finish, and then he holds up the item, and it's a five rupee. It's a red rupee. It's worth five rupees. You didn't need to give me a cutscene for that. You could have just... I could have just clicked A, and it could have been like, ah, you got five rupees. Come on. Even if it's something like a hundred you don't need a cutscene for that. A hundred rupees is great, but it's not that exciting. <coughs> um, Ego Raptor did a really great video about the differences between Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time, which were not... There, uh, Link's Awakening came out between those two, but they were the two major console releases that happened like right next to each other. Um, Link to the Past came out in, what, like, 1990, and then 1998, uh, and in all that time, there were no other console Zelda games. Um, so, Ocarina of Time had a lot of weight on it, but one of the things uh, Ego Raptor points out is, in Link to the Past, if you find a treasure chest, you get to see what's in it right away, because it's your reward for solving the puzzles and doing the combat. It doesn't like, you know that the treasure chest is there. You don't need any more build-up. Once you get it, you just get it. Um, and in Ocarina of Time, you'll see a treasure chest, sure. Or maybe you won't until you get into the room because of the perspective of the game. Either way, you've already earned the treasure chest, and then the game makes you, makes you sit through a cutscene that you'll see a hundred times in the game. With Link opening the chest, you can't skip it. And then he gets the item and holds it up over his chest, over his head, and you get to see um, the description of the item. And it's like, can we skip the cuts? Can we just not have that cutscene? And the new Zelda, it doesn't. He'll just kick chests, and they flop open, and you get the item right away. And that is wonderful. <laughs> And it's it's made even better by the fact that most of the time when you get an item, it feels really good because it's not going to be just like a map that Tingle has to solve, like Wind Waker, or it's not just going to be like five Deku nuts that you needed for the first dungeon, but you'll never use the rest of the game. It'll be limited resource, like everything in Breath of the Wild is a limited resource. Your weapons wear down and break, and then you don't have it anymore. And you can only carry a certain amount of weapons, so you can't just build up a stockpile of weapons. And shields and bows are the same way, and arrows are rare, and you don't really find rupees that often, so you gotta 
collect resources and do the uh, food and potion crafting and sell stuff to make money. And it's a really interesting economy because every time you open a chest, you're like, is this going to be one of the good ore resources? Is this going to be a good weapon or shield or uh, bow? Is this going to be a bundle of arrows? Thank God, a bundle of arrows. Because you'll find arrows, sure, but if you run out, you got to get back to a town and go buy arrows, and they're kind of expensive. Um, so finding arrows feels great because you can't just get them by throwing jars or cutting down grass like you used to be able to. Like, you gotta go kill an enemy with a bow and then take his arrows. <laughs> or go find a chest and cross your fingers that it has some arrows in it. Um, and that is so cool because it adds another la layer of tension to the game that is not present in previous games, where in Ocarina of Time, there's not really any tension about your resources. Like, if you need bombs for a puzzle and you don't have bombs, there's going to be a regenerating grass that you can cut down and you'll get bomb, a bomb fill up from it. And it just turns this resource management into tedium. Why bother doing that and not just making the bombs unlimited? You're just, you're punishing the player for not I don't know. I don't even know why you're punishing the player for not having enough skill at the game to utilize bombs more carefully. Like, what is it? Why? If bombs are essentially unlimited, you should just let the player hold an unlimited amount of them. <laughs> like, they already have unlimited access in their immediate environment. They don't have to be careful. They don't have to go find them but you're still not letting them just have the bombs. And that's one of the great things about Breath of the Wild, is your bombs are a... They're part of your, like, magic do-anything tablet item that you have. So there's no limit to bombs. It's like a skill that regenerates. Like, you throw a bomb and then the little wheel fills up, and when it's filled up again, you can make another bomb. So there's no, like, they fix that. And then all the other stuff, it's like, there's no limit to how many arrows or rupees you can have. And it's interesting how they limit weapons, because you have to then be discerning with what weapons you want to hang on to. And you can upgrade your weapon slots, too. Um, there's two collectibles spread throughout the game. There are huh, 900 Korok seeds, which, um, if you played Wind Waker, the Koroks are the little, uh, tree beasts that the, um, Kokiri have turned into over the, uh, however many, like, hundred years or whatever. Um, and it's, like, there's... Every time you see something weird, like a ring of stones in the water, and you pick up a stone on the shore and throw it in that ring of stones, a Korok appears and gives you a Korok seed. And the cutscene is, like, it's, it goes, Yaha, you found me! And then it, give, it goes, ba -ba -da -da, and gives you the Korok seed and goes away. And it's so satisfyingly brief. <laughs> it, it's not even too 
dialogue boxes for these things, which is just fantastic. Um, and the other collectible is spirit orbs, which replace um, pieces of heart. If you collect four spirit orbs, you can bring them to a goddess statue, um, which there's usually one in most towns, and there's a couple, like, um, springs and temples scattered throughout the world that also have goddess statues. You can trade in four spirit orbs for a new heart container or a, uh, an extra section on your stamina wheel. Um, your stamina wheel lets you sprint, it lets you climb, it lets you glide, um, and it lets you, if you're jumping or gliding and you pull out your bow, time slows down and your stamina wheel starts to uh, drain more quickly. Um, so stamina lets you do all those cool things. Um, oh, it's also useful for, this is another mechanic. Uh, instead of getting a horse, there's wild horses, and you excuse me, and you just have to capture one. If you want a horse, you go get a horse. Um, same as if you want a sword, go get a sword. Like you're not just gonna have these things given to you. You have to go get them. You're supposed to be the champion of Hyrule. There's no reason why you can't just go get these things. Um, Anyway, uh, it helps you, having stamina helps you tame a horse, um, because you climb on it and it starts bucking and you have to calm it down. Um, but I've mostly pumped into hearts. Uh, collecting heart uh, pieces in other Zelda games has always sucked. I've hated doing it because, I don't know, you usually, like, sometimes you can, you'll it'll be obvious, like, uh, here's a little mini-game, I'll probably get a piece of heart out of this. Um, but you don't always know for sure. And if you want to really go collect all of them, you have to find a guide that will tell you what things you have to do to get pieces of heart. But in this game, it's the same, you go do a shrine, and each shrine is like a little, like a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying to make a food metaphor. Um, it's like a slider. <laughs> it's like an hors d'oeuvre. Like, just this little cupcake of dungeon, as if it's one single large dungeon puzzle from another Zelda game. Like, um... It's hard to describe, but basically you have your slate powers, which is a magnet thing that lets you lift and move metal objects uh, through the air. A uh, The bombs, like I said, you can do a square bomb so it won't roll, or a round bomb so it will roll. Um, and stasis, which is... It lets you freeze an item in time, and you can then hit it a bunch to fill it with kinetic energy so that when it unfreezes it'll go flying away um 
or just freeze it so that it won't move at a specific time to solve a puzzle. It's used in a lot of really interesting ways. Um, but you have access to those powers and to your weapons. Um, but, like, not much else. I'm pretty sure you... No, you can glide while you're in the... There was one specific thing you couldn't... Oh, you earn... Uh, there's points at which you earn special powers through the game, and I I won't spoil where you get the powers from, but they're, um, it's just like, it's an interesting way of progressing rather than leveling up. You just sort of earn these powers that you don't need to use to beat the game, but they make a lot of things easier. Um, and one of the powers is like, if you jump and then hold, if you, if you hold the jump button, you'll jump up and then when you land, you'll crouch down and after a second, um, be surrounded by like windy energy. And when you let go, <coughs> it launches you up like super high in the air. Um, there's another one that gives you like a cool shield. Another one that makes your spin attacks have an electricity stun. Um, and then the other one is great. Um, when you uh, lose all your hearts, it refills them and gives you like five extra temporary hearts. Um, and each of these has a certain number of uses, and then after you use all those uses, they'll recharge uh, over a little bit of time. Um, the one that refills your health obviously just has one use before recharge. I think the others all have three. Um, and it's, it's really cool and interesting. Anyway, you don't have access to those in shrines. When you solve the shrine puzzle, there's a monk who gives you a spirit orb, and then also every time you find and uh, awaken or activate a shrine, it becomes a fast travel point on the map which is really convenient, because the map is huge. Like, Skyrim huge. Like, bigger than Skyrim. <laughs> it's huge, and you can go everywhere on it, because you can climb, you can glide. It's wild how much of this game there is, and none of it feels wasted. It's just so much of it is fun to explore and cool, and I like it. Um, so the shrines have a double benefit, like, even if you don't care about filling up your hearts, which you should, because you need more hearts, I think this game has the most hearts of any Zelda game, you can have 30 hearts, I believe, um, and that's great, you need them, because the game's really hard, like, the enemies are really strong, uh, I beat I beat the I beat Ganon and um, there's certain types of mini bosses that are really hard like a uh, one called a Lionel which has not been in a Zelda game since the original Legend of Zelda I believe uh, oh it might have shown up in Link Between Worlds um, but it's basically like a centaur lion man <laughs> and it's so strong like i ran into one of these kind of early in the game and i was like "Ooh, let me sneak up on this guy he sees me shoots me with an arrow that explodes and kills me in one hit like what okay um 
And then by the end of the game, I reiterate, without any RPG level-up system, just by getting better armor and better weapons and getting better at playing the game, I was able to defeat three Lionel, like, right one after the other, um, you know, in the lead-up to go fight Ganon. And it's, it's such an awesome feeling when you conquer one of these beasts. Because there's a bunch of big beasts throughout the game. There's also returning our Hinox, which have not been seen since... Uh, well, they were in A Link Between Worlds also. Um, they've never been in one of the 3D games, though. They were in A Link to the Past and A Link Between Worlds, and that's it. <coughs> They're kind of like bulky Cyclopses. Um, and they're really hard at first, and then you kind of learn how to fight them, and now they're nothing. Um, it's just... The progression loop is so nice. The fact that there's 120 shrines, and you can use them to either make your character... your your character. It's Link. You can't even name him in this game. He's Link. He's just Link. That's a first, I'm pretty sure. You're always able to name him. Um, it eliminates the three save file system that has been in every Zelda game and replaces it with a Skyrim or Mass Effect-like uh, rolling list of saves and autosaves. Um, which is refreshingly modern. Uh, I like that I don't have to remember to save all the time. I like... I sort of like that you only have one file, but at the same time, it would be nice to be able to start a new file without losing my progress on this one. Um, it feels like a game I want to eventually try to 100%. I don't know if I want to get all those Korok seeds, but uh, it's tempting. I definitely want to try and do all the shrines at some point, um, and defeat some of the cooler things I've seen on the overworld and some of the side quests. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff in this game, and if you have the means, uh, you should pick it up. You should get a system to play it on. If you can track down a Switch, great. Um, I still recommend the Wii U to people, though. That's a good-ass system. There's a lot of good games for the Wii U. I just started playing Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. That game rules. I love it. Um, it so, it's, feels nice to sort of chill from a big game like Zelda with a really small sort of puzzly game like Captain Toad. Um, yeah, it's just... Nintendo has been knocking it out of the park and people just have not been paying attention. Like, Wii U games... Every Nintendo game for the Wii U except the Animal Crossing uh, Amiibo Festival and uh, Mario Party 10. Every other Nintendo game for Wii U was great, except for those two. Um, because it had, like, Smash Brothers, Mario Kart 8, Splatoon, Bayonetta 2, um, Yoshi's Woolly World, uh, the Kirby, Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, 
Um, is there another Kirby? No, the other Kirby's were on 3DS. Um, yeah, this game, this system is really good, and this game is such a beautiful send-off for it, because it's easily one of the finest video games that has ever been made. I say that without any over-hype. Like, it's just... It's... <laughs> it's like a self-evident truth. Like, oh, yeah, of course Breath of the Wild is one of the best games ever. Um, which is especially great because the last console Zelda game was Skyward Sword, which is horrible. I, I got... I didn't even get to the second dungeon. The game just sucks. Um... And then, like, uh, Twilight Princess, I liked it, but it has some massive pacing problems. Um, I think part of why I don't hate that game as much as other people is I liked the parts where you're a wolf. Um, other people didn't. And also didn't like the parts that I didn't like, so they liked it a lot less overall. Um, yeah, but I like Twilight Princess fine, but it's not great. It's certainly not as good as Wind Waker, which also has a bunch of massive problems. Um, that It's great despite those. Here's the thing. Breath of the Wild has none of the... This game is great except for this one big feature. The game is just unqualified great. It has none of the major fallbacks of the other... 3D Zeldas. Ocarina of Time had Navi and, in general, a super linear, hand-holdy structure um, that I didn't like. A lot of people are fine with it. I don't like it. Uh, I think that game is fine, but Navi is such a bad feature. Um, that game becomes, like, twice as good if you just remove Navi telling you where to go. Um, and Breath of the Wild does that. There's so much stuff to do that you don't need to be told where to go, because if you just wander in a direction, you'll find so much stuff that you want to do just in the world. Um, and the game is totally non-linear. You can go to any of the shrines at any point. Um, you can go conquer any of the four major... Um, Dungeons seems like the wrong word, because they have a very open-air feel to them. Um, but you can conquer any of the four of those in any order, or not at all, and just go fight Ganon right away, if you want to. Um, I don't think you even have to get the Master Sword. It's a good idea. I got it. It's cool, and it's great. It's the only sword in the game that uh, doesn't permanently break, like, it runs out of energy. I made air quotes, you couldn't see them. It runs out of energy, but then, uh, it's fine again in ten minutes, and it has a really high durability if you're using it against, uh, Ganon-tinged enemies. Um, I don't know, it's just, Ocarina of Time had Navi. Majora's Mask had the goddamn turn back the clock and lose all your items feature, um, which I hate so, so much. I hate timers in games, 
I especially hate that timer because I just want to explore the world and you're not letting me. Um, Wind Waker had uh, the two big complaints, the sailing and the fact that most of the islands gave you a really dumb, bad treasure. Um, just something useless for doing kind of a fun puzzle. And you want, like, a reward for exploring. You just don't really get one most of the time in Wind Waker. Um, Breath of the Wild seems like a, a realization of Wind Waker's open world uh, that it attempted to do. Um, it doesn't have Twilight Princess's pacing problems or um, distasteful combat elements. The combat feels great. It doesn't have Skyward Swords. Just... God, I don't even... There's a couple problems with Skyward Sword. One, the motion controls kind of... The novelty wears out instantly. Uh, another problem I have is I spent like an hour trying to figure out literally the first puzzle to get into the first dungeon, and I couldn't figure it out because it was based on... You had to wiggle your sword around to make an eye statue on the wall get dizzy and poof away. And I couldn't... The game doesn't really make it clear that you're supposed to do this. The eye follows your sword, but it's like, how am I supposed to know that this stone magic eyeball can get dizzy? Ugh. And then, between every dungeon, you have to do a thing where it's like, Ooh, 100 of my magic animal friends are scattered about this uh, land. Can you find them all in time? It's like, I don't want to go around the forest finding penguins. Leave me alone. Uh, I just want to, like, do the dungeon. Anyway, this game solves that. It doesn't have that. It's just so good. Like, everything about it hits the mark. You can tell that all of the things they intend you to feel are, like, all of the things that you feel are there because the game developers are very talented artists who intended the game to draw those emotions out of you. And those, mo that emo those emotions are almost never uh, frustration or anger in the way that some of the other mechanics that I've mentioned will draw out of you. <laughs> it's... I can see the thread between, um, uh, it draw, it's weird. I can see the, the gameplay thread in most, like, the through line is Wind Waker to Link Between Worlds to Breath of the Wild, because Wind Waker had this huge open world and, um, a lot of stuff to explore, but it didn't really make, uh, good use of that. Like, there were a lot of times where it just wouldn't let you explore that world until you did some part of the plot. Um, or the rewards for exploring the world were not very good. Uh, and then you have to explore the world to find Triforce pieces, or maps to Triforce pieces, and that sucks. Um, and it just, like, it fixes that. 
just the stuff you find in the world is all cool. You either get spirit orbs or Korok seeds for finding secrets, or you get, like, weapons and shields and stuff for beating enemies. And that's great. Like, it seems so obvious and simple, but because of some of the, um, sort of, I don't know, the, uh, less problematic way to say sacred cows, um, because of some of the sacred cows of the Zelda franchise, like, oh, you only have one sword at a time, um, and you only have one shield at a time, and you have to, like, go into a menu to equip it, you only get, like, one or two bows, um, they did away with that, and they were like, oh, what can we put around this world that would be better? Weapons and shields and bows. But that required getting rid of this thing that's been in the franchise for so long of you have all weapon, all shield, all bow, and there's no reason to ever use the non-upgraded one ever again once you get the upgrade. But now there is. If you're facing weaker enemies and you don't want to destroy your high-powered weapons, you're going to use one of your crummier weapons. And that's great. It makes the progression also, like, you never... Well, you rarely will come across stuff and just be like, this is completely useless to me. You can find a use for pretty much everything. And if you can't find a use for it, you can sell it and buy better stuff. Because a lot of the items, too, are also used for upgrading your armor, um, which is really great. Because there's a bunch of different armors, and you can upgrade them all. Well, pretty much. There's some unupgradable items, which is really annoying. Um, but it just, it feels great. Um, and then it draws inspiration from Link Between Worlds because of the non-linear nature. Link Between Worlds, you can just get all the core Zelda items right away and go do whatever dungeons you want in whatever order you want, and the stuff you get in the dungeons upgrades Link instead of just being an item. Um, so this game, in the, like, hour or two intro segment area, you get the Sheikah Slate, and you get the, uh, items for it, the bombs, the stasis, and the uh, magnesis. That's what it's called. I don't know. Um, and then you just have those, and that's all you need to navigate the whole world. You need, like, a bow and arrow, a sword, and a shield, and you can get those, obviously, like, right away. Um, and then after you get all those things, you get the paraglider, which is the item that you need to get off of the intro area, and then you're off of the intro area with all the tools you need to explore the rest of the world completely, and Link Between Worlds sort of did something similar. You have to do, like, a couple, like, I think maybe two or three beginner dungeons or something, and then you just ha you can get all the items. Uh, and there's no limit on your rupees, and you need the rupees to get the items, but there's only one kind of um, collectible in the world. It's these little, like, octopus monsters, and if you collect, there's like a hundred of them, and for every ten you collect, you can upgrade one of your items. 
And that's all really cool. And you can see playing Breath of the Wild where they took inspiration from this non-linear, ultra-simplified version in Link Between Worlds. Um, it was just so... It just feels so nice to play, which has not always been true of the Zelda franchise. Sometimes it can be frustrating to play. And this game, I dumped probably a hundred hours into it. I would have to check the clock. I checked it around... I checked it when I had played like 65 hours. And then I played a lot after that. Um, but I know I, I, I've got to have at least 80 hours on there. Possibly a hundred. Um, and I still feel myself wanting to go play it. I'm putting it aside for a while because I beat Ganon. I got all of, um, I got all of the, I don't want to spoil too much. There's like a storyline based sort of collectible. It's not an item really. Um, but so I've seen the whole story and you get like a neat little cutscene at the end for that. Um, So I beat the game, and then there's DLC in June, and then again in the holiday season. So I'll dip back in for those, but it's like... For all those hours, I never felt frustrated or bored the way I have with Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, even Wind Waker. I'm like, ah, I don't feel like doing this right now. It's like I had to stop myself from playing Breath of the Wild because it was all I felt like doing. Like, well, I have to go to bed now, even though I would like to continue hunting this rare enemy for its um, collectible that I need to get my armor upgrade. It's like, that's really, it just felt really cool. Um, I recommend this game to a lot of kinds of game players. I will say, if you liked the, if you liked playing Skyrim by just wandering around and doing whatever, this game's for you. If you enjoyed kind of just exploring all the weird little islands in Wind Waker, despite how disappointing that could turn out to be sometimes, this game's for you. Uh, there's just so many people that this game is for. And it's been getting such good scores. Like, just go play it. That's really all I have to say about the matter. Um, uh, this ended up being a lot longer than I had intended. I'll probably split up the Belko experiment and Zelda ones into two things. Because um, then they'll be like uh, half an hour each or whatever, which is reasonable. That's closer to what I do when I read a creepypasta for this. Um, thank you for donating. Thank you for listening. Um, and that's 